and welcome to a supplemental edition of Spotlight. Uh, we're joined by a special guest today, Mr. David Trumbull. Hey. Um, one of the cast members of a fan film we've talked about before, Ambush. Um, no Matt with us today, uh, but I have got my usual co-host Paul with me. Hello. And we're going to talk about something a, a little different today, not focusing on an individual Star Trek film or anything like that. We're going to talk about the morality of Star Trek, so a little bit more cerebral uh, discussion today. Uh, but I think you've got some things to say about it, David. Um, but before we go ahead, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about um, kind of you know your creative pursuits and your links to Star Trek. Hi, uh, my name is David Trumbull, and uh, I'm a writer and illustrator of children's books. I've been a political cartoonist. I went to film school uh, with Liam, and. Uh, I'm also uh, looking for work in the animation industry currently. So, um, the other anyone the other, got a job? <laughs> right here. <laughs> the other most interesting, I, I guess, the only real pertinent thing about me is that I'm a lifelong Trekkie. Okay, so you are a proper. You would consider yourself a proper Trekkie. You're not like us. I would. Kind of yeah. casual viewers over here. And maybe it's like, do people call it Trekker? Like, is that the the real? Trek fans is it Trekkers I, I, I couldn't were, speak to that I yeah, couldn't speak see, to that I, I've always known it as Trekkie I've always known it as Trekkie it's the UK <laughs> branch of Trek fandom like. but, but first let's define Trekkie cause, um, because uh, if, you, if you were to ask the average person on the street what a Trekkie is they would imagine someone who goes to cons all the time and it usually cosplays up and knows every line of the Klingon dictionary and understands every rivet of the Enterprise and boys bombing and helmets yeah, exactly and- <laughs> for utilitarian purposes <laughs> but uh, no um, uh, the the image people come up with is one that's kind of disparaging one that's kind right. of uh, derogatory kind of like oh it's like they're, they're sad Frasier. people who live with their mothers and, and have all the action figures and view these people as more important than their own friends or whatever like they're, they're, there's this uh, a, a real wrong idea of what someone who's a fan of Star Trek is, because I think it's a very f- uh, flexible um, uh, definition. And I'm someone who never um, was considered himself overly zealous of Star Trek. And also, I've been very critical of certain episodes or series or movies in the mm. Star Trek universe, and I don't go around um, quoting Star Trek all over the place. But what I am is someone who's watched every episode, who, who um, loves what it represents and loves its place in history, especially on a cultural level. And so if anyone were to try and, you know, make, make fun of Star Trek or Star Trek fans or, or compare it unfavorably to Star Wars, for example, I'd be like, hey, i got something to say about that because, because you can't turn your nose up at something um, that, that, that really um, are stood up for, for diversity and gender equality and a lot of other things before most of the rest of pop culture and science fiction did. Well, this is exactly what we're really talking about when we say the morality of Trek, isn't it? The fact that Gene Roddenberry seems to, me at least, uh, someone who is a slightly more casual viewer um, than the average Trekkie, perhaps, Mm. uh, set out to create a piece of fiction about a sort of, you know, what appears to be a utopian society, something uh, to strive for, um, in a time of great uh, social upheaval in yeah. the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, you know, still things going, you know, lots of um, race issues still mm. going on at the time, yeah. especially in America. Yeah. Uh, and he seemed to be 
showing something to aspire to. Yeah. Well, the majority of science fiction, I mean, throughout the 60s and the 70s, is very cynical about mm. the future. And if aliens are out there, they're coming to kill us. Yes. Mm. And I think, you know, Spielberg brought back that wonder, and it's, it was a big thing for his accounts that they're not here to kill us. Like, no. and it's just, um, you know, Star Trek was doing that 10 years before with, you know, there are with friends to be made mm. in the cosmos, like, uh, but the friends you want to make first are the you know, people alongside you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's funny because, I mean, this is happening. Um, we're talking right now um, in a year where where last year was Force Awakens this year was Rogue One and both times there was stuff online about uh, bigoted Americans mostly mm. arguing that uh, they were uh, uh, pandering, pandering to, to feminists and pandering to uh, minorities and saying why are you taking the white out of Star Wars why are you making it so that or uh, we have a black stormtrooper why is there a huge multiracial cast in Rogue One and, and saying you're taking something of mine away the beautiful thing about um, that story when I saw it was oh my god these guys are idiots but also do you know what? That's the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. I love them both, but Star Trek never had that problem. No one ever said, they're taking the white out of my Star Trek, because Star Trek was a international, uh, inter, in, you know, um, interspecies crew. During, set against the backdrop, historically, of the civil rights movement. Yeah. And so you can't take that uh, away from them, no matter how much you can try and make fun of them for it. And it, it's kind of funny because, like, they're coming up with a new show right now. Um, I think it, well, I can't remember the, the title Discovery. of it. Discovery. Discovery. But it's kind of amazing that, like, okay, maybe there will be characters who uh, um, have uh, 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 different sexual orientations in it. But really, the Star Trek universe does not have that many glass ceilings I left think, to crack. I, no. think, I think it's, you know, it's. Um, that's one of the last final frontiers, I think, is for Star Trek. Whilst it may be progressive in many aspects, like yeah. um, even with like uh, homosexual relationships, has been kind of like on the periphery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, 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 there was, I remember reading the making of Next Generation, like oh, the art of Star Trek book. It was talking about the, the, the making of that first season, how you know people wanted, you know, at least to be just in the background, two crew members holding hands of the same sex, mm, just, yeah, just yeah. A, a tip of the cap to say it's okay. People are gay in the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it didn't take much. I mean, Robert and Bree's touches, like, as well. I mean, if he was given the ball and able to run with it with the shows mm. after Trek, yeah. we would be seeing, I think, some of these things a lot sooner. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think may have got cold feet because in season one of Next Generation, you actually got men in miniskirts in the background. It's like, yeah, yeah. there's no such thing as gender in the future, essentially. You can wear what you want. That yeah. was a, a, a nice thing, but that kind of got phased out by the end of the, the first season. Mm. So, you know, it's nice to kind of it just started to catch up a bit yeah yeah, yeah because he's I mean obviously yeah in Star Trek Beyond um, you know they feature the revelation obviously Sulu is gay um, is that actually the first major gay character in Star Trek there have been uh, uh, scenes in which I mean I think they came up with an episode in Deep Space Nine where because because the character of Dax is a woman who is reincarnated several times over. She ends up having a romantic attachment to a former wife of a former person who 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 she was reincarnated from. Right. Um, uh, but that's a bit around is, the way, which is a kind of a, a, a roundabout yeah, way of doing yeah. it. I, I think that they've never had a full statement of like, do you know what? Yeah. This is what we believe. But I think they were waiting, um, in many ways, for for culture to catch up. You know? Yeah, indeed. I mean, like Star Trek is a representation of the issues that are important at the moment. 
and uh, and LGBTQ rights and understanding the um uh the 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 you know being being bigoted about the definition is is, is something that's causing a lot of people well, yeah. to suffer in this society. Yeah, it's 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 I, time. I like that you know the Abrams verse like the last two particularly uh, into darkness has been talking about like you know a preemptive action yeah. and you know that kind of like drone essentially uh, mm. warfare mm. you know requesting that um, and then you got beyond as well which talks about like you know the Federation is like a a force for good like the United Nations or is it like could it have its dark side as well yeah. and what what a species who doesn't you know want to want to you know thinks believes more in the survival of the fittest things mm. about that mm. you know these are these are things that you can draw parallels with in real life which is it's nice to see it's still in the cinematic universe yeah well the cinematic universe more... is threatened to dumb down because they need more spectacle they need to be more I Star think, Wars-esque I think it's just like, it's, people kind of have said it's always oh, gone very kind of away from Star Trek mm. and you know with the massive amount of effects in these ones the action sequences but you know, actually, in the writing, they, the, they there is a conscious effort in that last one to move the needle back. That was I, I respected that from yeah. beyond, yeah. and I, I do hope to keep saying that because the risk is, you know, the, the profit margins are getting squeezed on these huge blockbusters for it mm. to maintain the level of spectacle it needs to get the punters in. Yeah. Are they going to be able to trade off that and keep bringing the issues up? I think maybe it will get to the point. I hope it doesn't, but when Discovery will be our, you know, bastion of like trip yeah. values. But I think you're potentially right. I mean, just look at the fact that you know they've now cast uh, the Discovery captain, mm. um, and we've got our first black and female uh, captain. It's almost like yeah. they went, okay, we've had a black captain in Deep Space Nine, we've had a female captain in Voyager. Yeah. Now let's have a black female captain <laughs> in Discovery. Um, you know, which is pretty great. Uh, just make her a lesbian too, and we'll be sorted. <laughs> Um, the trifecta. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, which is really cool, and it does look as if the cast is gradually coming together. It does look like we're going to get quite a diverse cast, and yeah. again, kind of echoing that original series. Yeah. Um, you know, which, you know, for the time, would have been, you know, this really did seem like something, a future world, because yeah. actually white and black kind of working together... Mm in such a peaceful um, manner a without any, yeah, manner, without yeah. any derision uh, towards the uh, black characters um, seemed mm. like a futuristic and, idea and not only that but um, considering you know there were by that period relatively recent conflicts with Japan and Russia mm-hmm. and to have a Russian and a Japanese yeah. uh, um, officer on the deck mm-hmm. with equal standing was powerful and we were talking about this on the way here uh, when we were on the bus that, that um, uh, the, the episode of the classic series that the fan film we, we've starred in um, yeah. um, is inspired from is Balance of Terror and in that episode we discover that Romulans look the same as Vulcans and there is a crew cool member a great on, yeah. confusion it, for me exactly it was, it was a bit, but I was trying to explain it to you but it mm. actually re- reminded me that actually there's uh, in that episode one of the members of the bridge crew well like a red shirt just realises that, that Spock looks like the Romulans and becomes immediately suspicious of him and and becomes passively xenophobic towards him and and so and and when when he does he he pipes up a little too much about it and Kirk immediately shuts him down. Keep coming. Cryptography is working on it, sir. Kevin Spark. Didn't quite get that, Mr. Spark. Nothing, sir. Repeat it. I was suggesting that Mr. Spock could probably translate it for you, sir. I assume you're complimenting Mr. Spock on his ability to decode. I'm not sure, sir. Well, here's one thing you can be sure of, Mr. Leave any bigotry in your quarters. There's no room for it on the bridge. Do I make myself clear? 
You do, sir. And, and, you know, that's in the 1960s, and it's still relevant today when in the age of racial profiling and Islamophobia and basically thinking that because of the color of your enemy's skin, you can then judge everyone else with that skin color as potentially your enemy and feel like that's a reasonable thing to think in a civilized society. You know, the, the, things like that. And then even in the, you know, even in the shows that I haven't enjoyed so much, like I'm not as big a fan of Enterprise, but even when that show was on, they managed to use aliens and other cultures and other planets as a way to talk about rape culture, to talk about the, um, uh, the AIDS crisis and, and, you know, bigotry towards survivors of abuse mm. um, and to talk about the Middle East and to talk about religious zealotry um, with the, the Bajorans and the Cardassians um, in Deep Space Nine. I mean, um, it, obviously every Star Trek series is kind of like, kind of like a, a, a mixture of good and bad. Like, they're always going to be truly abysmal episodes yeah. anytime they go to the pleasure planet I'm out <laughs> but, but which is obviously the wrong thing you should do when it's a pleasure planet it should be fun whenever they go there but it's like a bad day in Boca Raton um, so, so but every series still has incredible cultural uh, commentary and, and that's why I still believe that it's a, a, it's a, it's a moral um, imperative to keep having Star Trek you're in saying our lives. the pleasure planet does not exist here on earth there's no comparison like, I think there are, but it's yeah. just like it's just really, really dull. Like, have you, have you ever been to like, like, like Palm? It's like Palm Springs, but in the universe, and yeah. Palm Springs is dull as hell. Yeah. It's not interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's that's a completely different podcast conversation. Is why I don't like any of the Pleasure Planet episodes. Yeah. In such, I don't even know the name of the Pleasure Planet, but they go to it every now and again. Oh, and it's Risa. Risa, exactly. It even has a name that's forgettable. It even has a name that's forgettable. (laughs) And I think, you know, Star Trek is a show and a film series uh, that has shown just how important culture Hmm. can be uh, in terms of actually kind of changing uh, social movements and stuff like that. I mean, I think you mentioned earlier on uh, Nichelle Nichols Ahura um, often tells a story about her meeting Martin Luther King. Yes, yes. Well, she was considering leaving the show because I didn't think she was being paid enough and she was feeling like she wanted to move on. Um, But she'd reached some some notoriety for it and she went and visited um, a civil rights, uh, I I believe, some event that Martin Luther King was there and uh, I believe she told him that she was going to leave the show and he told her, you can't. You can't because African-American girls and boys are going to see you on that bridge and understand that you are equal with the rest of the crew and you have to do it because this is something that will have a huge impact on the future of the struggle. Mm. And then she went back and told... The way she described it, she went back and told Gene Roddenberry, I'm going to stay. And she told him exactly why. Told him about what Martin Luther King said. And Gene Roddenberry broke into tears and said, someone understands why I'm doing this. And that, and that obviously, you know, it's the way it's told. History, we, we remember things in a certain way. But it does ram home the fact that Star Trek, at the beginning, was one man's vision. And not mm. everyone believed in it. And he did everything he could to put that on screen even when it was hard even when you consider that it had the first interracial kiss in American television I believe mm. between Uhura and Kirk they fought for that and actually the studio wanted to film him do another version of it with a white actress so that they had the option of swapping right. it out and when they did the take um, Kirk kissed Uhura and then they got Uhura off the set they got a white actress in one of the other like faceless characters from the, right. from the crew and he kissed her instead. But when he kissed her, 
William Shatner, I believe, this is the, how the legend goes, he, cr- he, he crossed his eyes as he kissed her so the take was unusable. Right. And, the, the, and the studio heads who had asked for that scene to be shot didn't notice and were just so relieved that they'd gone in the can that they moved on. And then in the editing bay, they were like, shit, we can't do it. So like, there are all these little stories. I think the funny thing about me is that I love Star Trek for what it represents, but I'm also, I think I, I could be more of a fan of the history of right. Star Trek than any one bit of trivia about it, uh, about the universe itself. If you've got like a, you know, the fan fan base has got a name, Trekkies, and it, and it might be derided, but it's only because of how big it's got. Yeah. And it's almost like there wasn't any other competing shows yeah. for, for a long time that sci-fi ever kind of reached that level. You know, you've got Battlestar Galactica now, mm. of, you know, um, and, uh, and other shows where you've got big, big followings. But, mm. you know, it's it's got that name because it was the only one. Doing Star Trek it. means something so to a lot of people. Yeah. Actually, I want to share one story, like, um, uh, from my time in America, which I stayed, I've, I've been staying uh, with a Jewish family uh, when I was in Des Moines, Iowa, which is, ironically, birthplace of, birthplace of Captain Kirk. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Kirk, Kirk, oh. there's that line from um, The Voyage Home where she says, don't tell me you're from out of space, and he goes, no, I'm from Iowa, I only work in outer space. Yeah. So, and I believe there is a Kirk grave somewhere. I've never seen it because I didn't want to. Yeah. Made, I think someone up, made yeah. a Kirk grave somewhere <laughs> yeah. in Iowa. <laughs> One day I'll discover it. Just It'll, a couple of rocks. I'll go into the wilderness looking for it, like like trying to find Steve Buscemi's briefcase in Fargo and not freeze <laughs> to death one winter. Is this place going to be buried then? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we can only hope. We can only hope. But no, um, so um, I, I, I'm staying with a Jewish family and uh, their youngest son is uh, a wonderful kid called Xander who is uh, 17 years old and on the um, uh, uh, he, he has behavioral difficulties um, uh, he's, he's on the spectrum but, but he's also a, a, a profoundly uh, emotional and emotionally mature person and he's a super fan of Star Trek and Star Wars but the reason he loves them I mean aside from all the wonderful uh, imagination of them is that uh, they teach him and instill in him very powerful morals about how to be a good person and how to navigate life and and so uh, one of the things that I learned from him when I when I attended his bar mitzvah, you know, when I, uh, I, I've never been to a bar mitzvah before, but the the person having the bar mitzvah has to do a speech about things that are important to them about what they've learned because they're coming of age, they're they're entering adulthood, and one of the biggest parts of his speech um, in conversation with the rabbi was that uh, one of the uh, the the things that Leonard Nimoy brought as a Jewish man to the character of Spock was the live long and prosper hand symbol because it was a symbol that his rabbi did when he was um, uh, when he was speaking um, at temple and and so you think about live long and prosper you think about the hand signal you think about what it represents peace and and calm and 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 about serenity and and tolerance and everything and you know that, that that Leonard Nimoy brought that to it from his own life there's a beautiful little cyclical thing that it has now become something tantamount to an, to a religion, to fans, and 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 so so to hear this little this 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 wonderful teenager, um, who who had a few problems in life figuring out how to find his way, gaining strength and happiness and 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 morality from a character that you could so easily just say, oh, it's just a stupid character with pointy ears. You know, that's beautiful. I, I, I love that. And you said, you said it yourself to me that, um, you know, um, being on the spectrum is, is actually makes Spock the perfect uh, uh, role model because he too is 
logical, and yes. he too has a slightly different personality. Very much face value. Yeah. Is, you know, questioning but, why people being you know, so, yeah, acting a certain. But way. he's valued no less. Yeah. And oh, in yeah, fact, yeah. and in fact, brings brings amazing value to the Yeah, table. and is often the, a confidant and a source yeah. of like um, you know the, the true will turn to spot for an, an opinion always. Mm. Like yeah. you know because they want to get his perspective, and I think that's nice to be to hear see a character that they identify with being listened to. The needs of the many <laughs> outweigh the needs of the few. And I think that's a great way to draw our conversation to close, David. That was a really nice story. Yeah, thanks, for uh, you told well, thanks so much. Um, it's a real pleasure to share this story with the podcast. So. Uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know you've got a kind of website with your artwork and stuff. If you have any um, artistic needs like uh, illustration, graphic design, or I want to follow my career going uh, into storyboard art and stuff like that, um, my website is www.trumbleart.co.uk. Fantastic. And I think you've got a Facebook page as well. If yeah, you Trumbull search Art. Trumbull if you search Trumbull Art, Trumbull you'll, yes. you'll find it. Um, I currently have uh, children's books out in the United States, uh, and um, I've just completed work on a chapter book. So um, all that stuff's in the works but that's where you can find me online absolutely and it is possible to import things from the United States I, I believe that's yes it is possible we've got listeners in the US of A so mm. they can go to um, various Sports different Silver? shops like uh, I think it, where, where are your I books I think you can find them in Dollar Tree Family Dollar uh, um, uh, Family Dollar Dollar Tree um, uh, they are actually revisionist takes on Mother Goose uh, rhymes so mm. it's called Mother Goose Retold so you have Humpty Dumpty uh, Little Miss Muffet, Twinkle Twinkle, but they're stories with uh, slight twists in the tale that it's um, dark mirror universe. Well, uh, <laughs> keeping with the theme of morality, it actually allows um, those stories that are seemingly random to have deeper morals that apply to to people. Um, so you know, it, it those are available, and um, uh, I'm just continuing the work. And they are full of beautiful artwork, I must say, especially when you're caricaturing well, <laughs> myself. <laughs> Indeed, uh, yes. One of the stories. Interesting trivia fact is in, in Humpty Dumpty, uh, Liam Dempsey does have a cameo of sorts because I, I, I modelled one of the one of the king's chefs of the palace on your uh, beautiful visage. That's where that picture comes from. Yes, yeah, that's where that picture comes from. <laughs> um, okay, well... This was a bit of an experiment for us, just a little bonus episode alongside our usual show. Uh, we may do more in the future. If you think that's a good idea, then let us know. Um, if you think we should stick to the mission and only ever talk about the films in the franchise after hearing this episode, please let us know at spotlightpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback as always and we'll be back next month with a regular episode uh, concentrating on the next Star Trek film in the series uh, so goodbye from, from me Paul Wilson goodbye from me Liam Dempsey and goodbye from our guest goodbye <laughs>